Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. So since it's Friday, it's the end of the week, we're going to be talking about drugs today, okay? Just a little bit. We're talking about drugs, but in a more humane way, in a, in a, in a more legal fashion. So we're not going to talk about necessarily marijuana, but we're going to interview today what I like to call the CBD boss. I also call it Aunt Barb as well. So CBD boss, the floor is yours. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what are we really talking about CBDs today? <laughs> well, thank you. And I like my CBD boss name, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for having me on your show. And um, so a little bit about myself. My name is Barbara Sharp. And I am, if you say who you would ask for me to tell you a little bit about me. So I am a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a business owner. I'm a regulatory compliance specialist. And now in my new life, I'm a farmer, not just a farmer, I'm a hemp farmer. <laughs> uh, so you had to put that, that hemp farmer on there. So, I mean, like, so my question is, is like, it's always funny because like you kind of hear these stories and these transitions, like how do you go from being, uh, again, I think some of the companies you work for is associated to like QuickBooks and so forth. So that's, you're a numbers person, you're an analytical person. How does an analytical person end up in the farm growing hemp and, and selling CBD? <laughs> uh, that was quite a transition. Um, however, you know, the numbers person, because it works, it's still, uh, you know, when we initially got into this business, uh, it was because of the numbers. Uh, we were introduced by a family member and um, they were like, oh, you know, you can make a lot of money. This is a, you know, trending product up and coming. And so when we first start looking at it, it was like, this is an opportunity to diversify our business portfolio. And um, so the numbers worked. That's That was how we got into it. Um, and it still worked. We still want it to work. It's just taking a little time. So are you are you familiar with the TV show Ozark? Have you heard of Ozark yet? Yes, I have. So like when, when I think about like a power couple, right? So like you're the numbers, right? You're the numbers. And then your husband, he's like like a nar narcotic specialist, right? He's like ex-SWAT team guy. So like, like again, if you're going to get into drugs, ideally, that's the ideal customer service representative that you want from both parties. So just talk about that a little bit. Like how does a, a cop then get into this game as well? Which, how did you convince him is my question. Actually, he convinced me. Oh. So, um, <laughs> uh, but you're right. So, for he retired from the police department, oh. and for the last eight years of of his career, he worked and um, on the drug task force. So, being around drugs and marijuana and all of the other part of it, the illegal part of it. Yeah, he was out there trying to make sure those types of uh, things didn't hit the street and those people were, uh, you know, not allowed to, to do what they were doing. However, this is totally different. So you're saying, how did he make the transition? It was because he realized that hemp CBD is totally different from marijuana. Often people get that confused, but uh, is that just that little difference of that 3% um, THC that makes all the difference? So because of that, he was able to make the transition and said, yeah, this is something that's not illegal and um, I feel comfortable that, you know, I can do it. And then he brought me into it and I was like, I looked at the numbers, looked at the benefits and thought, yeah, th we're in. So I'm thinking it from from like a, from an investor standpoint. If, if if I was an investor and I'm hearing this story and I'm hearing, okay, she's in numbers, he's ex cop that understand drugs, then ideally you guys are like the best situation to kind of grow a company from the ground up in that space because you guys can leverage both ends of it. So going into like you a little bit more, right? Obviously you're an analytical thinker and you have like a little creative entrepreneur spirit behind you. So if you could define yourself in three to five words, what would those words be? Um, I am, I, I would say you, you actually 
hit the nail on the head. I do have a creative side. I am very analytical, so I don't, and I'm risk adverse, which is probably um, uh, the opposite of what I'm doing, but not too much because like I said, I didn't go into it blindly. We looked at it, we did the research and on my side, it was like, we can make the numbers work. And on his side, it was, yeah, this is, you know, because a lot of times, especially I can speak for my husband, seeing and being on the streets and, and uh, the marijuana part of it, uh, it was, you know, he saw the, the other end, the illegal end. But now we were able to see that this is not that part. And so this is something that, uh, like you said, if I was an investor, I would say, you know what, they they do know both sides of it. And if they're comfortable with it, then I can get comfortable with it. So, I mean, that leads me to another thing. I mean, I, like, I'm, I'm well-versed in your family as well, too, and you guys are highly competitive individuals. But, I, like, I can imagine you walking in during a, a holiday party or Christmas and saying, yeah, guys, so I, in the past year I've been doing this thing, and then everyone by default thinks it's it's drugs, right? Because, again, you're a very risk-adverse person. So when they hear you're talking about hemp or marijuana or CBD, you probably get a lot of negative feedback. So let's talk about that. Like, what kind of experiences did you deal with on the negative side and how did you overcome that uh we're still dealing with it so uh so for the first year that we grew we didn't tell anyone so we kind of grew in um in hiding i guess um in underground growing uh but anyway so we we grew with the expectation that a lot of people were not going to be as familiar with hemp CBD as we were because you know they had not done the the um, the study they had not you know delved into exactly did the research so that so because of that we thought let's not share this right now so we our first year we grew and it was only after we had had um, a successful grow that we actually shared it with the family. And that way we were able to say, yes, we've grown it. This is where we are. And let us tell you why we grew it mm-hmm. and a little bit more about the product. Because at this point, we were burst in it by then. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it wasn't something that we shared openly with family and friends. And um, as a matter of fact, now with my father-in-law, he still thinks we're growing marijuana. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so he um he hasn't changed his mind yet <laughs> but uh yeah so a lot of people are still thinking you know so that we're not doing something mm-hmm. um legal mm-hmm. and because of that it's still an education uh part that we have to overcome i think that that's very interesting and i just want to talk about like okay being that you're risk adverse, right? And again, your day-to-day, your normality is being risk adverse, right? And obviously, you know, Big Mike is the same way too. He, he thinks risk adverse as well because he's a police officer. So coming into this, right? And being that banks don't really back it 100% and it's kind of a still kind of a finicky thing to get like um, lending or loans or banking or any kind of thing in that nature. Like how did you kind of set up your, your LLC or your S Corp or your C Corp? Like well, how is your business structured? So actually, we um, it is an LLC, and you're right. It is because on the federal side, it's still not legal. And I know you hear the stories that about a lot of these stores, and they have a vault full of money and guards and stuff like that because you can't put it in the bank. Uh, they they are working on that. So, but there are still ways to do it if you're not telling your bank that you're hemp related or cbd mm-hmm. uh that you just have it set up as a and and we were in business prior to this this is just our latest business project so because of that we're we didn't have to disclose that to the bank that we had uh, expanded our business but yes you're right if you're new um there are a lot of one of those are one of the op- that's one of the obstacles is where do you put your money when you make it because if not, you can always put it in crypto, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
it's funny that, that you brought up crypto, but we'll say that for later on. So I just want people to understand, like you grew up in a household with four sisters. So you guys are like highly competitive individuals, right? And you kind of alluded to having multiple businesses. So again, you're risk adverse on your day-to-day norms. You're dealing with numbers and you're kind of like a strategist in that sense. But this like kind of what other businesses have you been in until or up until when you got into hemp, like the, the story in between? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I was thinking back about this. And so actually, in 1994, I think I actually started my first business and it was with a friend of mine. And we started a small business woman owned business. And it was called the Atlanta Entrepreneurial Training Center. Hmm. And the focus was on helping small businesses. Um, so it, I actually was working uh at the bank and for small business lending. So it gave me some insight into the struggle that small businesses often had with funding, with um, resources, you know, and I often said that they were able, you know, you were, they were very good at the barbecue sauce, but they didn't understand the business part, which was the part that would hurt them. And as you know, most small businesses, you know, go out of business in the first five years. So I had a partner who was a CPA and we started um, helping small businesses. We, it, it was, like I said, entrepreneurial training center. So we helped them with finances, with business plans, you know, from the beginning to the end. And one of the things, you know, I'm most proud of is that we also partner with Spelman College, a women's own college, and I'm a women's only college to help train young women on starting their own business. So that was um, something that the college offered initially just to the uh, students, but then we expanded it and to include the um, community around the college. So, so we had different small businesses. So I've seen a lot of different business plans and written a lot of different business plans. And from there, we've, um, we've been involved. We did t-shirt sales, we, um, real estate development, and we still do real estate with that's something we haven't transitioned away from. Let's see. So, yeah, we've had a, a number of businesses that we've participated in. And so, like I said, this was just a way to diversify that portfolio of uh, different businesses. We even one thing I can't forget, because that was pretty powerful lesson there. We owned the uh, coin laundry at one time. Nice. Nice. So I think out of everything that you said, and I'm just going to pull from, from one thing, I mean, real estate, I think even with the farmland, you're still in real estate. And I think a lot of people don't really understand the magnitude of what real estate is. I mean, real estate, you could have verticals and you can build up on it, but you're yeah. more so in like the forestry of that particular real estate land and you're using that land to essentially create wealth. So let, let's talk about that, for example. Now, an example of real estate being a, a single family or a multi-key but you're more so refining the land to where that land becomes a reoccurring revenue source. You're right. We actually do both. So we have owned a uh, single family residence mm-hmm. and, and we rent those out. So that's one part of the real estate, but then you're right. We also have the land that uh, we are now using to, um, to help. Well, the land was the reason that we were able to get into this business uh, with the easier entry point because we didn't have to go find land. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the barrier barrier to entry was much lower for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the land there, had been in the family for over 75 years in Mike's family. And so it was, although we had trees on it mm-hmm. and, um, and that's a source of income, but it was also now, it was like, what else did we do with this land? In between the times that we're able to cut the trees down and, and, you know, get revenue from that. So once the opportunity came, it was using a resource that we already had. We thought, yeah, let's try it. Hmm. So yeah, real estate was a, that was a good point already having this. And now it was a way to utilize something we already had. Nice. So let's dissect that. I mean, obviously you're talking about business strategy and I love this conversation because we're going to really dive into it, right? So someone that has, let's say, acres, let's just say 50, 50 acres or let's say 300 acres of land and they're trying to farm that land. And what you did was like, okay, you went in and you you milled 
the tree, the resource. And obviously people that don't realize trees are a resource that have a lot of damn value, right? So you're resourcing that and you're taking that capital and you're reinvesting it into the land to then grow your stocks, hence then converting that into CBD oils. Correct me if I'm wrong in any any of that process that I missed. Nope, that's right. Yeah, so that was, I'm sorry, what? I said that's pretty ingenious. Yeah. So that was it. And, you know, I don't know if you've looked at lumber prices lately, but they're over a thousand dollars. So, so yes, that was a commodity that we had. And it was like, okay. And so it was a way now to um, provide multiple uses for something that we already had. And it's not, like I said, not just waiting for the time that we could cut and mill it. But now let's, you know, it's sitting there. Let's figure out what we can do to make money Almost like year-round, I guess you could think. Nice. Very nice. So let's just talk about it. I mean, you mentioned um, Big Uncle Mike a couple of different times. So, like, anybody that has a partnership, usually a partner is outside the household. So you're living with your partner day in and day out. Like, so, like, how do you guys currently balance that? I mean, I think both of you guys are very business-savvy individuals. So do you guys ever really have opportunity to turn that off? You know, that's a challenge. And the challenge is, you're right, you do, you know, normally you leave the house and you go work and then you, you know, then you leave those people and you come back home and and your partner and then you dissect your day. Well, our day is dissected all day (laughs) because we do. We're here together and we have a, um, we, we pretty much talk business most of the time. And so we do have to say, all right, it's time to cut it off uh, because that's enough for today and or let's change hats. Uh, and that's not only just with Mike and I, but, you know, it's a family ran and operated business. So our sons are involved too. So oftentimes when we get together, we're all talking about business. It's going to creep into the conversation somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do have to be mindful of that mm-hmm. and to make sure it's business, you know, 15 minutes of business, but then let's let's talk about family time. Let's, you know, talk about what's going on in your life, in the world, because you can, you have to have balance. And if not, it, then it just becomes um, overwhelming. Hmm. And and then you lose, you lose the fun of it being a family-owned business. So just because it's business and family, it doesn't mean that it has to be all-consuming. I think you can do both. You just have to find a balance. Nice. So, I mean, you brought up your sons, and I, I think if anyone is orchestrating a, a family business, obviously you want heads of different departments. You want the kid that's really good at creativity to be really creative, and you have one of those. And you want a, a kid that's really good at operations, and you have one of those. So, I mean, obviously you and, and your husband are building a business that when you pass that torch on, you know that that legacy could live on because your, your two kids could easily step in and take over where you left off. So let's talk about, like, how did you actually convince your boys to jump on the bandwagon? especially considering that it could be perceived as an illegal substance. Yeah. They actually have more information on it that we, than we did. (laughs) Um, You know, it was, it wasn't in each one of our businesses that we have had. I remember when we had the coin laundry, uh, it was their job to go around and collect all of the quarters out of the machine. And then back in the day, and then wrap it in the, rappers for us to take it to the bank. Um, same thing with the t-shirts or whatever business with the, when we will buy a property and have to rehab it, we've all, you know, everyone's painting, everyone's even since they were little. So the we like to believe that we've uh, established and built a culture of business for, and so it's, it's a norm. Mm. So it's not, you know, if I'm going to come in, is okay, what's the next thing? And yes, I buy in because one, I'm a part of this family. Two, I, I know you guys where you're trying to go with this. And it's, you know, we said we're building to an enterprise and a legacy. And, you know, and they know that eventually it's going to be theirs. So we want them to be a part and they want to be a part because they have input now so that they'll be able to take it to the next level later. So they're not going to be coming in after we're gone and trying to figure it out. It was like, oh, no, I I definitely understand the roadmap because I was I was there when the roadmap was being written. 
Nice. Very nice. So let's, let's talk about like this overnight success. Cause I mean, obviously you're kind of like the polar opposite, but I usually ask this question about being overnight success. And usually nine out of 10 times, someone is saying it took 20 years. And obviously you have a track record of multiple different businesses, but let's talk about this new CBD business that's becoming very, very successful as time continues forward. How long have you been on that road? On the CBD road, we've been, this is three years. So we started um, in Georgia. The uh, It was licensed in 2019. However, it took us a whole year before we were actually able to get our license and start growing. So we had our first grow uh, in the summer of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that began this, this whole different project of, uh, that we're in now. And like I said, now we'll be coming up to our third grow year that will start in um, June. Hmm. So, yeah, it, overnight success for business or it, it was been a journey for business. But for this new venture, it's been sort of a, just a few years. Nice, nice. So let's talk about like time travel, right? And obviously time travel, I mean, eventually it probably will be real, but right now it's not. But if it is real. As of right now, if you can go back in time and change any aspect of, and again, you can go back before the CBD, you can go back to your coin laundry, the real estate. What's one thing that you would go back if you had five minutes to talk to yourself? What would you say to yourself and when would you go back to? Probably in my, mm, I would say maybe 20s and 30s. That would be the time because to say, make some different, make some different decisions Uh about business early on. But that really would have involved having the partner that I have now. Uh So Mike and I, when we got together, because you're right, we are very business oriented. And so once we've gotten, we got together, that was one of the things that kind of drew us together. And it's been our, um, I guess I, that's connected us. Mm. So, because we do, we're, we've all, we're always trying to think of what's the next opportunity, what's the next thing. So yeah, going back to that point where we met would be a good point. And then for us to uh, have started on our journey, business journey a little earlier than we uh, did. So I would say to myself, find the right partner early on and get started. I mean, that's definitely sound advice, sound advice for sure. So talking about like your family and your upbringing, right? Uh, obviously you grew up in, in Georgia and you grew up in a household with four other siblings. So that kind of stemmed into becoming highly, 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 um, I'm trying to get the best word to describe all five of you. Competitive maybe? It's, it's probably a, a short changing of, of what really goes on. But like, let's talk about that. I mean, this next question is, is stemming from that upbringing. What entrepreneurs could you recall in your family that you grew up, that you saw that, you know, you probably admired or wanted to kind of become more like them as you grew up? Yeah, let's see. I was thinking about that. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that I saw people in the community oh. that that were, they probably didn't call themselves entrepreneurs. They were just, you know, in business working together, you know, for themselves to feed their family. But, you know, but to say, you know what, it would be nice to work for yourself, to to have that freedom. And um, so looking at that, I think that would be, and it was my uncle and who lived next door to us um, that, and I was close to my aunt. So I would, you know, I spent time around them. He had a brick mason business, he and his brother and, and cousin. So that was probably the first time that I was introduced to entrepreneurs. And from there, yeah, just wanting more. I, I want, you You say competitive, I don't know but um, about that, but a house full of women that were all, striving and very we all have our own mind and we're all seeking so i guess that maybe we help to drive each other maybe that was the good part that came out of the competitiveness because it was you know we pushed each other we support each other and um so then you know with that kind of um atmosphere and culture culture again that it helped us each to be you know, I would think successful in our own right 
everyone didn't take the entrepreneur journey like we did. But I think, yeah, each one of them, my sisters have made their own um, paths. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. And the entrepreneur side, I say at least three out of five of you guys are, are, are entrepreneurs in your own right, 100% through and through, like literally in completely different directions. Yeah. All highly successful in your own right. So going into like, you know, so you talked about your family, you talked about your husband, you talked about your kids. And I think we alluded to this a little bit earlier, but let's dive into a little bit more. Like, how do you guys currently like juggle like that work-life balance? And is there really even a thing called work-life balance in your house? No, <laughs> um, actually it is. And you, we actually, like I said, the first part of the day, because, you know, as I shared, I, I am still working. So I work as a compliance, a regulatory compliance uh, manager and the company I work for is located in California. So because of that, I have, you know, a three hour time difference in the morning. So we typically start our morning and during that time, talking about the day for the business, what's going to be, what needs to be get, uh, what needs to be done, mm-hmm. you know, what um, calls need to be made, whatever. But Mike's the 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 legs of the business, so you know he's running out. I'll, you know, we make a sale. I'm packaging it up, and he's running to the post office, and so. Um, so I guess the balance for that comes that we've defined our roles mm-hmm. and we kind of stay in our lane. Mm-hmm. Um, so after we figure out, I'm the, you know, I handle the administrative part, the regulatory part. That's kind of my, you know, my thing to make sure that we're in compliance because this business is, uh, the hemp, as you can imagine, business is highly regulated. And so this, that suits me fine. I'm, I understand regs, statutes, and, I want to stay compliant. And then, and he likes to get out. So he's going to be out running, running around and doing what needs to be done. So then when we actually get to the growth season, he's, he likes to play in the dirt. So he's going to be the one that's going to be out there planting and all of that. So I guess, first of all, defining our roles has been very important. And then understanding your strengths and weaknesses of each one of your your our partners mm-hmm. uh and then respecting that you know we're not always going to agree but you know that's his role and i need to respect even though i may not agree with it mm-hmm. you know i've given or he's he has that part to uh take care of and the same for me so the balance comes from i think just doing those things defining the roles and then respecting each other's roles and then at the end of the day, talking a little bit about it and then, you know, switching to something else. Hmm. We, we can't talk business all the time. Got it. I think you alluded to like your morning routine. So again, your base, your, your corporation that you're working with is based out of Cali. So you have a three hour difference. So let's talk about your morning routines. I mean, like what time do you usually get up and kind of how many hours of a grace period do you have before you have to kind of essentially clock in and work with that corporation? So normally we're up around between 7.30 and 8. And, and I start working for my, for our business, probably around 8.30. I have to have my coffee first. And so that gives me a good, you know, hour and a half to do what I need to do to set the day up for our business, for Rebel Gardens. And then you're right. Then it's, it's clocking in for my, um, for my other job. Uh, but you know that that also gives me time to read I do research you know I'm just trying to stay ahead of the trends and so I'm looking at the business channels so yeah the like I said the mornings are spent on just getting mentally ready and prepared my business first and then the company business Hmm. really interesting I mean, I love it. I mean, I mean, obviously, from a from business standpoint, again, you're, you're double dipping, right? You're getting revenue from both sides of the coin. So you have a support team through the corporation and then you're building your empire behind the scenes. So let's just dive into like numbers a little bit. And I don't think people really understand the magnitude of 
like hemp or CBD oils, you know, obviously they may understand marijuana, a dime bag or a pound, and they could associate a number to that, right? So they understand that value. But in CBD is a little bit different. You're not necessarily selling the plant. You're not necessarily selling the root, even though you can, you're selling yeah. the oil. The oil is a byproduct of what you're creating. So like, what what is, what is a going rate for a gallon of CBD oil right now? So it's a commodity. And that's the other thing that, you know, that we've learned through all of this. So, um, and when you look at it, so it goes up and down. So you have different, just from the CBD plant, there's over 100 different cannabinoids that can be utilized from this one plant. But if you, so you're thinking about that and it was like, okay, so we are familiar with CBD. CBG is another one that people hear, uh, but just taking those two. So, if you look at the CBD oil, um, one day you go and, you know, there's a sort a resource that we utilize to, to know what the market is paying. And the last time that we checked, it was like $1,365, $1,365 for a liter because it's sold in liters. And then, um, but like for CBG, it may have been $1,000 per liter. So, yeah, the oil is the oil is very important because from that oil, you're able to break it down and make products. Mm. So that's the tinctures that you see or the pain creams or the gummies. Mm. All of those things are made from that valuable little golden oil um, that comes out of the plant that you have to press together. So it can be very um profitable. And I say that because, you know, a liter of oil, mm-hmm. you're able to make just for an example, like a thousand vapes mm-hmm. cartridges. And you're selling those at, we can say $30 for, for one. So you can see that mm-hmm. one liter of oil can turn into a, a product. I mean, a, a value of $30,000. Yeah, so I want to I want to break that down for for our listener, right? What this woman just said is that a liter, on average, is somewhere between let's say a thousand to let's say twelve hundred, and I'm just just throwing out the average number, right? So there's about three point seven liters in a gallon, so you times that by four, so you're looking at potentially five thousand dollars roughly on average per gallon, right? The average gallon of gas is what? The average gallon of milk is what? The average gallon of Coca Cola is what? So I want you to think about these numbers like these are every single day products that we use and gas is probably one of the it's oil based product, maybe at the highest premium right now it's four to five dollars per gallon versus five thousand dollars per gallon and this is raw content, this is not the refined, this is not in product so just selling that at wholesale. The markup is ridiculous when you didn't refine it into an actual household product that could be delivered on store shelves. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's correct. Yeah. I just so want to put that that's why stuff. the oil is so valuable. Yeah, yeah. I'm just sitting here and it's like I think our listeners, everyone is thinking about getting into getting into hemp at this point because it's like, why would we do anything else but get into that if you can, you know, five thousand dollars a gallon? That's crazy. So you talked about reading a little bit earlier, and, and I think, you know, you're a really avid person. You have an MBA, so obviously you read and you have read. So my next question is, on your journey to kind of get to where you are, what books do you remember that stand out to you that you've read that you would like to recommend to our listener? One book in particular is um, by Truett Cathy. And the, the the title of the book is, it's easier to... Uh, I have it right here. It's easier to succeed than it is to fail. And so that book, I read that book years ago, and I've actually had an opportunity to visit the campus um, and meet Mr. Kathy. But what resonated with me was that he took something, you know, a chicken. It was a chicken sandwich. It wasn't, he didn't invent the chicken. He didn't, but he invented the chicken sandwich. And he's, he failed numerous times because most people thought you're not doing anything new or special. It's just a fried chicken sandwich. But through that, he kept, you know, reinventing himself. He kept, re- you know, making tweaks and stuff to this product. And so he came up with, you know, the Chick-fil-A sandwich. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you think about it, I think anyone that's starting on the journey should know there's going to be failures. 
you know, we've, we've had ups, we've had downs, we've had sideways in businesses, you know, like I shared with you the different businesses we've been in, um, we've been a part of. Well, they didn't all succeed, and but we learned from each one of them. So I would recommend that book. And simply because it just shows the, you know, how to stay focused and resilient and keep believing in what you, you know, he kept believing in his dream. And that's been a good reminder for me. You know, don't give up on your dream, even if it looks like it's not happening right now. Interesting. Very, 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 very interesting. So, I mean, with all this information and all the, like, again, obviously you had accolades left and right. It seems like you live 20 different lives in, in one lifetime, right? And especially with, with the business side, like, have you had opportunity or have you at least thought about writing a book as of yet? Maybe when I retire, maybe when the boys take over the business and then I'll have a chance to, but, um, you know, but maybe not a book, but maybe, some way sharing this knowledge as we're going along. So maybe writing some papers that will be beneficial to people. Um, because, you know, like I said, we started this, this is our third year last year, each year we're, we're, um, doing different parts of this business to, to, because we believe that the best way to control the quality of our product and to um, make sure that, you know, we have control is that we're going to vertically integrate from the so from seed to sale we need to control and so each year we're taking on a little bit more of that responsibility ourselves and but there's a lot of information we're finding that's not out there we don't we we bought this bucker machine and we didn't know anything about how to run the bucker machine and it was like oh all right. So yeah, maybe that's something I need to write for someone else. So they won't have to spend, you know, two days of trying to figure this out and uh, looking at Google and calling. So maybe that would be what I would do first is maybe just write papers to help someone else. And maybe at the end, I'll compile it and write a how to start a CBD hemp business for dummies. Nice, nice. I think you brought a really good point in talking about like supply chains and you're talking about from seed to sale, like just, just and you don't have to go to all the details, but I mean, just like in the global hemisphere of understanding, like you get the seed, you have to farm the seed, but there's a lot of other steps that come into play. And you know, I remember talking to Mike a couple of different times and he was saying that he had to set up the fencing. He had to, you know, make sure he put particular feeders out because deers were eating it or hogs were trying to eat, eat, eat it. And you had to figure out what grains to keep them away. And you have to factor that into your cost. And then you have to harvest and then you have to dry. What are the other things that have to go into play that you have to factor in, in from seed to sale? From You know, it's very labor intensive so you know when you think about oh yeah it could be the thirty thousand dollars for this one liter that you could possibly make well what is a lot of time that goes into that so they you know these seedlings become like your baby so we each year we have to decide on which strain we're going to to uh, even grow mm -hmm. so it's time thinking about that because each strain represents uh they have different benefits mm -hmm. so what are we looking for? What's the purpose? So you're not just going out and growing seeds, but it was like, okay, what's going to be the end result of this? And then, yes. So it's the water. This, you know, we, the first year we grew, we planted them and then it was a drought. Mm. Last year, it was almost too much water. So, you know, you know, mother nature has, has um, a hand in this either way. Uh, but then it's the insecticide or the um, fertilizer. You know, you have to make sure that, you know, you're keeping the bugs off at one point, but then you're fertilizing it on the other end. Hmm. And all of the, you know, the other stuff, the weeding, the, it's a lot. So during that growth period, you typically start in June. We're harvesting in September. So it seems like it's not a lot of time, but you have to prepare the ground. So we'll... You know, we'll start in like April or May, getting the ground that's tilling the soil, testing the soil to make sure that, you know, it's going to be at the right pH level to make a successful growth. Um, and then going all the way through, um, keeping the weeds down, all of that stuff 
it has to be done in order to have the product that you want at the end. And then you're right. Once we harvest it, we take it and we dry it. And there's, you know, multiple ways that we can do that. Uh, either we can hang it up the old fashioned way, or we can, you know, try and use technology and we can put it through this um, automated dryer. And then you have processing, which gets it to the valuable oil, which is the pressing and all of that that's going to get it to the oil. But then from that, you decide on what product you actually want. So it goes from a processor then, I guess, to another processor, because that's actually where you get the products from. And like I said, that determines if you're making vapes or if you're making pain creams or tinctures or whatever you're going to make. And that's really kind of driven by the market. So what's the pop? You don't want to, you know, be producing gummies and no one's interested in gummies anymore. They're gone to pre-rolls. So it's always... Our, you know, so what I was saying is always just keeping your ear to the ground to know what the trends are, because that's how you have to be able to pivot mm -hmm. to make sure that you're going to be successful. So, I mean, I think based upon what you just said, and there was so much information in that, I just want to take about one part. And I think you said it earlier on about like, I guess, genetic splicing or genome or so, I mean, are you like breeding these things like dogs? I mean, like, like, how, like, I mean, you, it kind of came across like that. It's like, okay, how are you selecting seeds? And do you look at the mama tree versus the dad tree? I mean, like, like what's the process of selecting the right strand of DNA for that particular plant? Well, we did have a mother tree at one point, but yeah, so each, the, and that's the part that we've learned. So, when I say that we've become both students of, of this plant and, and the field that we're now find ourselves into, because we do, we're learning that. So each, so we deal with the, um, the, the genetics, the person who actually produces the seed and we'll talk to them and say, this is what we're growing for. We want to, our year of this year, we would like to focus on uh, more plants that's going to be associated with pains or inflammation. And so that's the one, that's the plants that they will produce for us. Mm -hmm. Pains that's going to, I mean, strains that will be targeted towards a specific ailment. Hmm. That's interesting. So, I mean, that, that, that's very interesting. Cause I mean, obviously when you, you're talking about business strategy and you're talking about planning, like you're essentially taking an entire season with the hope that a 24, 24 month, 12 to 24 month turnaround time that that product is going to be sourced and used in the future. So let's talk about future, right? I mean, obviously you're talking about gummies, you're talking about lip balms, you're talking about oils, and those are like some of your primary products. Where do you see products going 20 years from now? Like what products are you planning or would like to have distributed from your store in the future? We want to actually transition to the to the medica to, to the medical marijuana and the more on the on the medicinal um that that's where we want to go to that space uh and simply because it is going to be the growth of the future as more and more people uh you know as, as they get more and more licensed especially here in georgia you know the medical cannabis so what our oil will be used for is to break down that medical marijuana that they're going to be producing because you have to use the, the uh, hemp oil to dilute it so that it will be able to be ingested by people. So we want to work with that. We see that that's where the industry is going. And so we would, and we're working towards that to be a part of that space. I mean, it's definitely an interesting topic. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy to me that like just thinking about what you guys are doing and I think it's great that you're doing it and then you're diving into like a core niche. So like my next question is, is like, when you think about farming, a lot of times people think about farming as far as machinery and workers, but in today's world, I think there's probably a lot of tech behind the scenes. So like what software are you guys potentially using to just say track what's going on on the farm or on your day-to-day -day numbers that you would not be able to do what you're doing without having access to that platform? Well, yeah, because prior to this, I wasn't really familiar with 
Shopify. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we use Shopify for our e-commerce to control that part. However, most people are not aware that there's limitations because of the um, mm -hmm. uh, the negative connotations that's still around hemp and CBD. So some platforms will not allow you to um, take payment processing So on their site. So we transitioned to that. And so we, well, I said Shopify in, in conjunction with Pinwheel, which is a company associated with Square for our payment processing. So, you know, but we had to learn that also with, with Facebook, you can't say hemp when advertise. And so, so we've learned, you know, that it's been, so when you think social media, you think, oh yeah, I can, you know, just throw it out there and, and uh, advertise. But we've been able to, um, like I said, through Shopify and Square, Pinwheel, we've been able to run, run our business and Shopify is great uh, because what we've, what it gives us is insight into our customer base. Huh. And, you know, we, I don't know how you, we would not have known that five years, 10 years ago that, you know, our number one customer base is out of Asia. Huh. And who would have thought? So, yes, that's been very helpful for us having that tool, just that the track, you know, where our customers are. Um, and so I don't, um, I think we will be difficult. It will be difficult now to run the business without it. And it keeps up with all the inventory. Um, and that's another great thing. So you're not having to sit there and count how many bottles you have or huh. all of the other things that we used to have to do to keep up with all the widgets. Got it. Got it. So, I mean, just, just talking about like, and again, like, your son was born into this, right? And your son is is, is, a, is a great designer and he's an analytical but a very creative mind. So I would think that he would have some part in developing that logo that you have. And I want to kind of talk about the branding because, you know, I love brands, right? So why and how and what were you guys thinking when you decided to cross a marijuana leaf with an actual cross? <laughs> What's the story behind that? You know, I, I would like to take credit for that, but you're right. That was... Um, that was Jacoby's idea. So we, and it goes back to the, to um, recognizing each one of our talents. So Jacoby is, he's our branding, he's our public relations uh, officer. And, um, and so, yeah, so we, he created it. We all had input in it. And, and to, if that was something that we liked, and of course he had final words, which was uh, the final decision, which is not always our decision, but we trust him enough to know that he, um, <laughs> he has a vision that we don't always see. So as long as it aligns overall with our vision, we're okay. Because we want to give him, we, we want him to know we trust him enough mm -hmm. to give him responsibility. But yeah, so the, when you look at it, it was the cross, but it's also um, medical, you know, so it's had the dual purpose of it, uh, the, the cross part, does, and then the marijuana. So we wanted to, to be able to go towards um, the medical part more than the cross part. And I guess the fact that, you know, it's um, who we are. We would like to, to for people to believe that that's our moral values and which is why we're saying that we're going to always produce a quality product. Mm -hmm. So that moral values, ethics are important, uh, important to us, but yeah, I thought it was very unique. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, to the listener, if you have a chance, you definitely want to go to rebel-gardens.com and, and just check out like the product listing, but I, the logo as well, too, which kind of leads me into my next question is with the insight, right? The insight of a brand specialist, I thinking that you guys are heading more into the, the medical side, which you said earlier, which then plays into the cross more so than religion is more so health. So let's talk about like who is the ideal customer or the ideal avatar for your company right now? But I, I would say it's, you know, it, it can go so many different ways because, you know, if you look at it, you think, oh, yes, 
older people because they have more ailments, but then it's younger people because they too have anxiety. And so over the last couple of years, I think if nothing else, you know, dealing with what we've been dealing with, you know, stress level and anxiety is at an all time high. And what this CBD hemp, what it does is it helps with those. So it's been shown to help people to reduce their anxiety and reduce their stress level. But then on the other side, for people who are older, like, you know, arthritis and pains, and then you have your weekend warrior uh, who goes out and, you know, on the weekend and overdo it. And then you come back and you're rubbing down uh, because it it, um, it helps with, with pains and muscle aches and all of that. So I don't think we have an ideal customer, but I think the customer that probably would see the benefit most would be an older I would say maybe that 40-ish and up mm. uh, simply because they're probably going to be the one that recognize and appreciate the price point that comes with having something of quality to ingest into their bodies and put on their bodies versus someone that's younger. So let's play devil's advocate here, right? Let's say I'm 50 years old and I'm still working in corporate America and I've never even dabbled in marijuana. I've never even dabbled in CBDs. I'm completely ignorant. So I'm going to ask you a question from that standpoint. So I'm taking your CBD gummies and my job is going to do a drug test. Would that show up? No. And the reason is this. It's not, is because we have two things. We have a full spectrum CB, uh, CBD gummy, and then we have um, a broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. And so one, the full spectrum does not have the uh, THC in it. It has no THC and the broad spectrum does. So we're able now to uh, help and cover both of it. So yes, you can take it that night before and wake up all refreshed the next morning with no uh, care of being, you know, having that drug screen. Um, So yeah, we, we do that. And we have one of the, one of our customers is a truck driver. And that was one of her things. It was like, Oh no, you know, I gotta have to protect my CDL. So I can't be taking this. And I was like, no, you're, you're good. And she hasn't had any problems and she's had a couple of drug tests since since she started with our products. So, I mean, I'm just listening to you. You, you sound very versed, and obviously you've been in this for a long period of time. And again, anyone that's listening, if you picked up on the keyword of spectrum, it's like, who would have thought spectrum would have been associated to THC in the first place, right? <laughs> this spectrum and that spectrum. So it's definitely um, enlightening for sure. So let's just talk about like final words of wisdom, right? So if you are talking to this person that's 45, maybe 50, even 55 years old, and they're still in corporate America, and they're listening to you, and you're like, oh my God, like this, this is my calling. I would love to get into this business. What words of insight would you leave for them to understand the next steps? I would say you know, two things. One, do your homework. So, you know, because you have to understand the business that you're going into. And that's with any, any business, you know, do your homework to make sure that this is something you're really ready to commit to. Um, and then, you know, get an understanding of it. Maybe talk to someone. Um, yeah, you can reach out. You know, we have people all the time that, you know, call us and say, you know, we're interested in getting into this business. So people are willing to share that information with you. But, you know, just take the time to get to know what you're getting into before you get into it. And uh, so, you know, internship, that's another thing. We have people to offer to come work on our farm with us. And they's like, we just want to learn. So there's a, there's ways that you can get out there and find out more about the business. And then after you get a level of comfort, you know, go for it. But I think mainly it's just to start with learning about where you're trying to, uh, what the business you're getting into. And one thing I want to share is, and I shared um, is always to learn the language of the business because that goes a long way in understanding exactly, you know, the lingo, like you just said, you know, spectrum and you and would not be associated with CBD, but it is, but it means something totally different. So if you're coming from one industry and you're trying to cross over and use the same words, it doesn't 
match. So, <laughs> but the more you know, the, the you get a level of comfort and then you can make the right decision if this is something you actually want to be a part of. Oh yeah, I'm definitely gonna. I'm still in that spectrum. Is going into my, my my little dictionary inside of my head for later. So I definitely appreciate <laughs> that add on. So I mean, obviously we're talking about CBD. We're talking about gummies. We're talking about oil. Obviously, people are listening and they're like, okay, look, like this thing sounds great. I've never tried it, or maybe I've tried it before. I want to try yours. How do they get in contact? Where do they go? Oh, great! Thanks for asking. So we're located. You can find us on any social, all the social media platforms as you can imagine. Having a, a son that's the social media king. So we're um, on Facebook. You can find it at at Rebel uh, Dash Gardens. We're on Instagram at uh, Rebel. Let me make sure here. I want to make sure I get it right. So we're at um, Rebel Gardens. So at Rebel Gardens for Instagram. And um, that's it. And you can always, like I said, you can always call, find us on, on um, yeah, I, I have my notes here. Or you can give us a call. So, I mean, the marketing guy is probably saying, I gave you a list. You should have just. I know he did. And I'm trying to read my list here. Yeah. And um, so the main thing is to follow us on Rebel at uh, Instagram at rebel.gardens mm-hmm. or our website is, re- is www rebel-gardens okay. or Facebook. Okay. I think it's beautiful. I mean, it you guys have divided and conquered, right? I mean, you have your marketing guy, you have your operations guy, you know, <laughs> you fall more on like the CFO, CEO level. So, I, hey, I'm not mad at you, man. <laughs> I'm, <not> mad. <laughs> I'm uh, the I, boss. I, I, hear that. <laughs> I hear that. So, I got I got a couple of bonus questions for you. And, and this okay. one, it's going to be interesting because, I mean, earlier on, we was talking about all these different achievements. I mean, obviously, going to college and growing up in, in a household that was competitive, even though you may not see it as competitive, right? And then getting into businesses, getting into real estate, getting into the coin laundry, getting into hemp. I mean, the list goes on. Outside of those things, right? Or maybe just include all of those things. Outside of your family, what is your greatest achievement to date? Hmm. Outside of the family. Oh, yes. Nope, nope, no kids on this one. Nope. No kids on this one. Nope. You know, I would say actually, okay, going back to school later and achieving and getting my master's. Hmm. So uh, I spent, you know, the first part of my life uh, raising my children. And then it was after they got to a certain point, I said, it's time now for me to to go back and do something for me. And so education was important for me to achieve to what I felt to get to the next level and as a source in a sense of accomplishment. So getting my MBA at a later age was a great achievement because, oh, man, it would have been so easy not to do it. (laughs) But I, but I thought, you know, it was, um, it was well worth it, but it was also challenging. I think you're, you're always up for a challenge. So you wouldn't be who you are if you didn't have challenges for sure. Yeah. I, even though I think I'm, you know, it's like, okay, I'm through. And then I always think of something else to, to challenge myself with. Yep. Yep. So got another bonus question for you, right? If you could spend 24 hours in a day uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would you want to spend that time with? It could be past or present. My grandfather, William D. Reed. He was a pastor, um, the, the patriarch of the family. Mm. He's on my mom's side and my mom's dad. She's an only child and he spoiled her. And thus we were spoiled. And so, but he was very insightful. My grandfather was a very giving person, but you could ask him questions and he would actually ponder the, the question and give you a, a, a response that was, you know, very insightful. So I, he was my go-to person, you know, when I really wanted to know something or had a question he was my go-to person but he was also the strong um supporter of the family and so it just to know what he would think about this business and what we're doing Uh although he's 
I know he would be the cheerleader because that's who he is. He, when you're happy, he's happy. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just always there, rah, rah, I'm going to support you. But um, it would be interesting to know what he thinks about what's going on with this business and well, it's just what's going on in, in general now with this, this world. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely interesting. And I didn't realize that your mom was the only child. I mean, it's just kind of like, I would think some of your entrepreneurial insight comes from her as well too. Cause you know, I've heard stories and I've, you know, I've read books and, and I've, I'm seeing like this woman is, is a hell of a legacy as well too. So, I mean, raising five strong independent women, it only makes sense coming from that type of bloodline for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, yeah, she's the only child. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. So going into closing, I mean, obviously, as the Boston Cage host, I want to make you the host, and I want you to interview me. What questions do you have for me? I think I mostly want to know because you've now heard my journey or our journey, and um, you know. And this him and I know you're doing your homework, but the where do you kind of see as you, if you were just getting into it, would you see this hemp or CBD uh, journey as something you would aspire to be into? And if so, why? And if not, why not? I think it's it's a it's a good time if you're not in that space yet to how do you kind of take what you know from the real world and then apply that to like metaverse. And again, think about metaverse as is as a third party representation of the real world, but imagine hemp shops in the metaverse, right? Imagine hemp farms in the metaverse. And it's kind of like, well, what what is that gonna do for me? What is the NFT in hemp gonna do for me in the fake world? But then you can probably use that environment as access passes. If you didn't buy your NFT, your Rebel Garden NFT, then you can get access to discounts, get access to seeing us on the farm. And the only way you can do that is by having the NFT. So merging the real world with the alternative world, that's the direction that I, if I jumped into space, that's what I would do. I would start growing hemp in a digital environment and then attaching it to your products and getting commissions off of selling your products through my digital world. Interesting. See, I hadn't thought of that. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't played much in the metaverse world yet. So (laughs) that, that would be an interesting, uh, world to be in. All right. So, um, is there any other parting words that you would suggest for anyone? And for me, you know, that was one, but just as you would think where you would see, um, based on what, you know, Mm -hmm. us growing, where, where do you see us growing in the next five years? Well, I'm thinking that since you guys are already tackling like the, the whole supply chain, like once you kind of get your system down packed to where you could have the, the supply chain 100% owned and operated by you and you don't have any third party vendors or anyone else then coming to you for that source, then I, then like what does that look like on a global scale? Like, could you add more land to it? Right. Could you add more products? Could you then become the manufacturer for other people that then bring you oil? I'm just thinking right now is just the tip of the iceberg. You guys are really starting. But I think once you get a hold of that supply chain and you have every aspect of that system locked down, packed and in the system, then why, why wouldn't you not franchise it? Why would you not go global with it? Good. I like that. Man, look at this. I'm getting free consultation right here from <laughs> <laughs> valuable information oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i mean I, you got it's friday I, I, I got whiskey coming to my office soon enough so you got any last questions before we close out today no but i do want to share one thing you mentioned earlier so i would do not want to get in trouble with the pr person mm-hmm. that we will be having our first live event for 2022 uh and it will be uh february the 26th it's going to be at the uh, Be Social location from 11 to 1 is free. And we would love for people to come out. Like you said, if they want more information about how do they start it, what our journey has been, you know, thus far, you know, anything. So it's just going to be a, a, a opportunity for other people to ask questions. And uh, we'll be more of what we you know, than willing to share what we've learned. So we would like everyone that can go to any of the websites or um, Instagram and they can sign up. So, you know, the next question is, is like, are there going to be samples at this 
event? <laughs> no samples oh. at this event. However, um, we will direct you to our website and we might be able to give samples at that. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Cool. Well, I definitely appreciate your time taking time out your busy schedule to come on the show. This was definitely fun. I think you gave a lot of insight to uh, industry that people are kind of, you know, they hear about, but they really don't know about. They really don't even know like, like the money behind it or how to even get started. And I think you kind of really outline a really clear path. And again, you give them access to you. And you're, not only that, you're giving them opportunity to come to a live event. So, I mean, it's a win-win situation. I definitely appreciate you having on the show today. Well, thank you. It was fun. And, um, you know, especially this is a great way to end our fr uh, Friday afternoon. So um, I'm, I appreciate you having me on. Great, great. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss Uncaged are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.